Hello, <laughs> if you remember Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, welcome to the Life in Red podcast, lifeinredpodcast.com, at Life in Red Pod on Twitter, and Life in Red Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. My guest today was a very uh, refreshing conversation, focusing a lot of doom and gloom lately in the world, and I think sometimes we forget about trying to be happy, and that's what my guest and I talked about this whole episode, how to achieve happiness. So we go into things like self-care. We go into things about mindset. We go into some of the work she does with with her clients uh, and a whole bunch of things like that and uh, really re- refresh things for me, I guess you could say. Um, we're now a year into this pandemic and here in Canada, we're in their third lockdown and some people have never left the lockdown and it's challenging and absolutely the government government needs to do more but you know there are things we can do i'm not saying to cure our our mental illnesses and and you know mental health issues but we can certainly make some of our aspects of our life easier and uh, i think that's what you can get from this conversation and her new book which is it's available in ebook right now on amazon uh it's a bestseller already so you can go check that out and then the hardcover uh comes out uh, in physical form on June 1st. So you can go check that out. The book is called Happiness by You. Please give it up for my guest, Olga Dewar. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I have asked a question on this podcast a, a couple times because it's something I find really interesting. Is life more simple or is it more complicated than we th- we perceive it to be? And my guest here, Olga, thank you so much for joining me because I think we're going to be able to explore this question a little bit with, with your work and your book. Um, but happy to connect finally, uh, social media friends for a little bit and mutual connections in Ottawa. So it's great to finally meet you. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much, Ryan. And I look forward to our conversation. It is a very good question. And I am here to help you answer that. And hopefully that will be helpful to a lot of people. Happiness. This is something, it's a theme that, I mean, every human, I think that that's the goal, right? Like we just want to be happy and how we get there is is different for everybody. Um, Your business, your book is Happiness by You. And before we get into how do we achieve that big question? How, how does one get started in the business of happiness? How does one suddenly decide being like, this is how I want to be. I want to help people find happiness. That's, a, that's, a, that's another good question. I, I look forward <laughs> to the questions today. I have a feeling there's going to be plenty of those. Um, happiness, as you mentioned, is uh, different for everyone. And for someone, it's family. For someone, it's being outside. For someone, it's exercise. For someone, it's um, I don't know, having a lot of money. There's so many different aspects to that and so many different views. But in reality, a lot of people perceive happiness as something that is um, a lot of people do, actually, as something physical. Like, for example... Mm-hmm. They can go and buy a great car. It's like, oh, if I only had that car, if I only had this money, that'll make me happy. And most of the time, it's a temporary solution. Now, 
how I came about uh, becoming a happiness expert, or as I call myself, joy aficionada, it's um, in my life, I've uh, gone through a lot of different things, as I'm sure a lot of people, many people have gone through ups and downs and things like that. But no matter what, I was always positive and I always had a very positive demeanor about me. That was just me. That was just my natural ability that I guess I was born this way, if you want to say that. However, I've never paid attention to that. And only when people, my friends or some people that acquaintances will say, well, understanding what I was going through at some times of, in, in my life, uh, dark times in my life, um, either going through death or going through divorce or whatever it was, loss of a job, uh, loss of a business, I would stay be very positive. I'll stay still very positive. And people will come to me and say, how do you do this? And it was just, I was dumbfounded when they asked me questions. I, I would say, I just do. And a lot of people will ask me, well, can you share? Like, how do you go about this? If this happened to me, I don't know if I'll, I will survive. And so over the years, I heard more and more and more of that. And I said to myself, I said, well, hang on a second. People ask me for help and I help. I was very happy to help anyone. I was the listening ear. I was shoulder to cry on. I had some great ideas that I could share with people that they can implement little things, just little tweaks in their life or how they approach the life. And it'll make big difference in their lives. And so it got to the point that I thought, well, hang on a second. If I'm able to help a small group of people, my friends, my acquaintances, my family, well, why not take it wider? Why not take it out there? Let's say the city, the country, the province, the country, the world. So, and that's how uh, the business started. Um, the book Happiness by You came about in a similar way um, because it was always there. But then I thought that was the easiest way to start the business and put it out there to the world. So many people around the world have access to that. Mm. You mentioned that happiness is, um, I mean, it's many things and it can be all those things that you kind of mentioned as well, right? I don't think there's always just one thing that can bring happiness or help someone achieve that, that level. But I think, especially in Western society where, where we live at, we are constantly bombarded by messaging. Uh, and I'm guilty of this because I do it as a profession of telling people what will make them happy, convincing people what will make them happy. And it's all, it's, it's usually in the form of something physical or tangible that you are going to get as a result of either purchasing this or taking part in this. So, I mean, don't give away the entire book, obviously, but what are some of these things that we, we can do to not necessarily need that, that physical, that quick shot of dopamine, you know, like when we talk about mental health, the, the, the brain chemistry that just gets us right there. What are some of the things that we can do? To, is it changing our mindset that really helps shift the narrative back on ourselves when we're talking about happiness? Um, awesome question. And I'm definitely not going to give away the book. So, yeah. <laughs> because I can't answer in, my, in a very different way. The biggest thing about people is that 
a lot of people don't really know themselves. And what I mean by that is that not knowing yourself, you don't quite understand what makes you happy. That's the number one question to ask. I was, um, as I mentioned to you, I originally come from Russia and I was growing up during communism. So my exposure to, to Western culture began probably when I was a teenager. Um, you know, we did not have access to, uh, to uh, videos or music videos or let's say some fun movies or we were not constantly bombarded by advertising. That was not the thing. And it was fascinating to me when I lived in Russia. And we lived a very simple life back then. Everybody would be wearing uh, very much the same clothes. Like, for example, if you go to the uh, courtyard and see kids playing around, you will see girls wearing the same dress with just different colors. Okay. Or the boys uh, wearing the same pants or the same shorts with different colors. There wasn't that much of a variety at the time, for example, for clothing. Uh, kids were wearing uniforms. So everyone was similar. So there wasn't that drive for, I want to be better dressed or I want to be have a fancier car or I have a fancy apartment or house. So I come from the society that was brought up in a very different way. What we were trying to achieve at the time um, and what I know made me happy, for example, back then is that um, schooling, I was, I, I was, driven to be the best at what I did in school or athletics, for example. But there was not thought of having the best of the cars or the food or the house, as we discussed. Now, coming, um, being exposed to Western society, it was fascinating to me. And it was um, bright flashing lights, you know, celebration. Ooh, look at those scholars and look at those scholars. I had a great opportunity as a kid to travel to Bulgaria with my parents. Bulgaria was still under Soviet influence, but it was abroad. It was not Russia. So, and when you go to the store, you can buy Fanta. And when you go to the store, you can buy chiclets. And when you go to the store, there is a high variety of uh, beautiful clothes. And so I got exposed to that at an early age. I think it was, I was seven at the time. And then I, we went a few more times. That's what opened my mind. And going back to Russia, we were happy with what we had. Coming here, what I found is that one of the problems for Western society, as I discovered for myself, is that we are overloaded with information. And that is part of what makes our minds go into negative state. We lose our sense of wonder, we lose our sense of happiness, and we forget what makes us happy. The simplest things that made us happy when we were children, when we were growing up, because we are so influenced, so bombarded by, as you mentioned, you know, constant advertising, competition with our friends. What are they wearing to school today? Oh, a 16th sweet birthday, she got this car, or he got this car, whatever it is, right? And it's just, I watch this and it's, um, it, it is fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me how easily we can be destroyed or our minds can be destroyed. So going back to happiness is that um, in order for us to really switch the way we approach things is discovering, sitting down, 
and writing what makes me happy, what really truly makes me happy. You know, in my book, I talk about that. And there are simple things in life that make me happy. Um, I lived in Canada since 95. I came to Canada uh, in 95. And absolutely, it's been up and down. It's, uh, I uh, very much was exposed to Western culture. And I very much uh, fell into the same pattern as everybody else. I live here. I am, live among people. I'm influenced by certain things. But then I was declining. My state, uh, my, my mental state was declining compared to what it was like in Russia. And I, I had to realize what was happening. And so by sitting down and actually writing out what really makes me happy, really, really helped me. When you realize the things that make you happy, they can be very simple. For me, going to the forest, I love it. I absolutely love it. If you call it now, there is a forest cleaning or forest bath or whatever it is. It's so fascinating. But I just absolutely love it. I go pick mushrooms. People look at I'm like people call me a mushroom lady because I go forage and I pick mushrooms. I dry them. I eat them or I eat them fresh. So, you know, little things. And people, when you see me, they're surprised. It's like, really? That makes you happy? Absolutely. Absolutely. That makes me happy. And I know it. I don't pretend I am authentic. So if someone at this point, I made a choice to focus on things that make me happy instead of putting ton of energy, my energy, my livelihood, my lovely energy into something that will make happy somewhere, someone else. Mm. Um, it's a different conversation with helping someone to be happy. We're going to focus on ourselves and understanding what makes us happy. So hopefully that answers the question. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Um, as, as we're talking, I, I have two episodes in the bank, but once it comes out, those episodes will be out. So people will be able to hear this, but I find it so fascinating. So I, I tell the story that at the beginning of the pandemic, I was, excuse me, I went through this horrible time. It was the second kind of darkest part of my life. Then I went through a breakup of a long-term girlfriend and I sunk really down to the bottom. And I, I kind of, without like doing it in a, in a structured way, I did what you're kind of talking about is, okay, I'm isolated now. I'm alone. What am I going to do? I had these very honest conversations with myself about mm -hmm. what makes me happy. And what I discovered are things that I, I knew made me happy. So watching sports makes me happy. Uh, working out makes me happy. Music makes me happy. But what I found is things like musicals make me happy. Um, going outside for a daily walk or um, exploring makes me happy. This summer, I'm going to start camping a little bit. And it's so interesting when we talk about happiness is we are told that it's our possessions. It's the things that we achieve. It's our career. It's it's uh, recognition that makes us happy. And, and, and in cases, yes, that, that does make us happy. But when we're talking about long-term happiness, when we're talking about living a happy life, you mentioned you live it authentically. And that's what I try to do. I try to be authentic to myself. So if that means I'm dancing on the street while I'm walking to a song because I like it, I'm just going to do it and I don't really care. But it goes back to this, like, this primal, this biological sense of happiness. It's It's family it's connection it's it's nature right it's not the things we have it's the things that just meet those basic 
needs that we've always had. And it's so hard to remember that really like, that's all we need in life. Everything else is just extra, you know? I don't know if you have thoughts on that. I don't really have a, qu- a question more than just pontificating. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And, and I, again, I love, I love having this conversation. I love how you mentioned the primal. That is exactly it. The primal need. And we are so far away from that. You know, when you read, when you read my book, I actually talk about that, that we came from eating raw food and living in the caves, you know, and now it's not enough. It's not enough. Now we're looking for, oh my God, okay, my house is not big enough because I have so much stuff. So I need to buy a bigger house. It's like, well, really, do I need that? Right. Sure. If you feel that, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have a bigger house because yes, my parents are getting older. I would love for them to move in with me. They're going to have their own space. And you know what? My kids are still young and it was so cool, especially now during pandemic. A lot of people people are doing that. And um, sure, absolutely. There's got to me, there's got to be a really good reason. I'm not against luxury things, luxurious things. I'm not against nice clothes. I'm not against um, nice cars or whatever it is. I, I have some of those things, right? However, some people, what they do, and you see that on the internet, is that um, sorry, uh, like, for example, Instagram, internet is such a big thing now, but let's say Instagram, you go and uh, someone who's done well for themselves, just throwing it in people's faces. And it's devastating. Somebody looks at it and we're like, how the hell do they do that? Or what the hell did they have to do to do this? Oh, I want to do the same. Well, would that really, really, really make you happy? This is this is a question to really ask. You really have to take time to understand yourself. And the primal things that make everybody happy, just like you said, you know, we needed food, we need shelter, we need we need clothes, for crying out loud at this point. You know, when cavemen, they did not need clothes, they run around and eventually we got, now we all dressed up. So, but one thing that caught my, caught my ear when you said we are told, this is where it gets tricky because as a child, when you, when we are born, we are completely open. Our mind is open. We open to everything. We like little sponges. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. We want to learn. We want to learn. We want to learn how to walk. We want to learn everything. Oh, oh, I see my mom or my dad doing this or my, my bigger brother, sister doing this. I want to do this the same. The sense of wonder. And it makes us so happy. Like I'm just thinking um, um, I have a son and when he was little and it applies to all babies. We as parents, uh, first birthday or first Christmas, we as parents buy these huge boxes of presents and things like that. And the child just wants to play with, with crum- crumble the paper or crawl in a box and, you know, that's it. And they're like, no, 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 but look at look at what, you know, I went so to the links to get this for you, spent so much money. And they're like, yeah, this I love this box. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy, right? Simple things. So, but as we grow up, we are influenced on so many different levels. We're influenced by our parents who've been influenced by their parents. We are influenced by our siblings. We're influenced by our um, schoolmates. We're influenced by our friends, by society. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And we completely just disconnect with what we were like or what made us happy. And we're starting to go, oh, I, I, like, I sort of kind of like what they're doing. I want to try this. That's fine. That's fine. Then I want to try this. That's totally fine as well. We all need to try things, but we sometimes get lost because we want to do everything. And that is so overwhelming for our brain and for our self-being. And then we lose 
identity. And then we're just another gray little spot in the gray little world that is unhappy. So understanding and listening to your own voice, not listening to what we are told. I mean, I'm not talking about, for example, if your friend decides, um, oh, let's go rob a bank. I'm not suggesting that, you know, I, I, that's not kind of a my thing. <laughs> right? However, I mean, just open your mind to possibilities and open your mind to understanding yourself. And it's fascinating because when you open your mind and when you really truly discover yourself, the things will start coming to you. The things will, st the things that you, um, um, the ideas of what, hey, you know what? I got to try this. That really, I'm really attracted to that. So it's a, um, again, it's discovering yourself. Discovery of self is extremely, extremely important. And what we are told, um, separating what we are told and what we are hearing and what what is best for us. Those are the things to focus on. It's so tricky. Um, I mean, it's it's one thing to say this and it's like, oh yeah, of course. It makes total sense. I think we can all say that, but to put it into practice and to do it consistently, I think that's what makes it so difficult. And you mentioned Instagram and I think that's the biggest culprit. And especially for women and, and young girls who are who are growing up and they're seeing influencers who have the perfect bodies, who are going on trips, who are living in nice houses, living, you know, all these things. And you hear it, the studies are out that, you know, mental health and illness and suicidal ideation are, are growing in children and teenagers and, and, and young adults. And because we're constantly exposed to these things that we're, we're supposed to we're supposed to want. And if we want them, like I said, life is about choice. Um, and there's no issues trying to go after that, but we think that's like, it becomes the expectation that I should have these things. And if I don't have these things, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not, you know, I must be doing something wrong because, because I don't have these things when in reality, I mean, the, I think the medium income of people is like 50,000 or something in Canada. It's, it's not that high. Um, how do we break this cycle? And I mean, that's a big, big conversation because you get into things like addiction and, and you know, all sorts of complicated issues. But just break it down simply with what you do. How do we really initiate that step back from this ex the from the internet and the social media and, and all these things how do we really the first step into taking that step backwards and just becoming more aware of ourselves yeah well you just answer the question the, the, the number thing for me is that being aware where am i where am i who am i what's driving me what's what's getting me out of bed what's again going back to what's make what makes me happy it's really, truly taking time to understand yourself. And it is, um, when it comes to children, it is parents' responsibility, in my opinion, to pay attention to that, to pay attention to how the kid's developing. I know as parents, we are bombarded with the same things and we, most of us suffering from the same because, um, uh, you know, I'm a generation who you don't know, but I, I'm telling you right now. So um, we are generation of people who, well, I grew up in the, in the uh, USSR in Russia. So 
we did not have uh, the video games and things like that up until a very long time. I've already probably left the country by the time they arrived. But generation here, they grew up with technology. And it was something that, in my opinion, separated the families. Meaning that kids were, let's say in the 80s, kids were given the computers or they go, went to a, um, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, sorry, uh, the gaming places. They see, I'm not. Arcade. <laughs> so, arcades, thank you. And uh, so that really, when I, I believe the separation between parents and children started happening, the family unit was breaking down. There was no better communication. Um, you look at 50s and 60s, you know, you're watching some movies and there was a lot of communication. There was a lot of respect for, uh, for uh, between kids and, and parents. Um, yes, it was a little bit more, upbringing was tougher, for sure. Uh, there wasn't as many choices either. So it was a little bit more focused, I believe, on family unit. What happens is that as an adult, um, since we're talking about children, I think it's extremely important to pay attention to your kid. First of all, being aware of where you are, what your state of mind, um, what are you projecting on your kids? Because we, if your parents and I grew up in, um, um, I grew up in a loving environment. However, my my parents, um, there was uh, quite a bit of uh, addiction in my family. Um, I lost many members of my family to addiction there and in Canada, sadly. So to me, I knew right, right there and then that if I go this way, if I'm going to continue, that it's going to be devastating results on me and my, my son. And um, our family here got affected. And that's, that's one of the reasons his dad and I, we, we, we separated. And but I was always aware, like I always tried to be aware, where's my son with all the, everything that's happening in the world, in our lives? How is he doing? I tried to talk to him. It's extremely important. And what I find right now is that it's starting to occur more when parents paying more attention to their kids, when they are having the conversations, when it's almost mandatory. And I encourage every family to do that having dinners together every single evening. Right now, it's very easy because there's not a lot of extracurriculum activity. You can sit at the table and have dinner as a family. As a parent, you will pick up on something that if there was something off for the child, you should be able to pick up because as parents, we are connected to our kids, not just by blood, but um, uh, what's what am I looking for emotionally or intuitively we are connected so and paying attention is extremely important because there will be telltale signs that there will be some signs that something is changing something is uh, not the same and I believe that by choosing a, by a parent by choosing to pay attention choosing to perhaps change their approach to upbringing by yes putting a foot down when it comes to time spending on tv or on a computer whatever it is i understand that now the school is on a computer so it's very challenging i get it but still it is possible in my opinion to control that because when you put a little bit of control when you actually parent i believe it's possible to help children 
not to be um, as negatively affected by out, outside uh, forces, if you wish. And so you mentioned also perfection. And I have been um, through this myself. I am a, a, a um, what's the word? specifically I'm looking for is that I'm recovering perfectionist. Let me put it this way. <laughs> and it is not an easy thing to do, but I made a choice once again to see myself, to be aware that this is causing me problems that makes me unhappy. Funny, perfection can make someone unhappy, can make someone devastated, can make someone depressed. It can, it absolutely can. And I'm a strong believer, there is no such thing as perfection. There is, now I'm a believer, there is perfect imperfection as I call it, or we all perfect in our own way. And it is extremely important to remember. So comparing yourself to another person, for example, on Instagram or comparing your life to the other person, be careful. What you see on the pictures might not be the reality of it. It's just a picture. And a lot of people are not aware of that. And there need to be someone to remind the person who is absolutely fascinated with the life the other person is having. But hmm, hey, that's just a picture. You don't know what's behind it. And that's when the parents should come in as well. So um, I hope that carried on the conversation so and answered some of the questions that you had. Yeah, I'm, I am really curious because in, the, in this podcasting journey, having so many conversations, especially around mental illness and mental health and how the experiences of what happened to some of my guests uh, as children has now led to you know, things that they, they suffer with, things that they're working with through, um, you know, just the profound effect that the things that happen in childhood have on the rest of our life. And what I'm gathering from what you're, you're saying and some of your expertise is the, the power of the family union, unit. And like, is that one of the, probably the biggest contributors to our, hap- our happiness and how we we learn it um, because I think how you were treated as a child, the things you go through are going to carry on through the rest of your life. Uh, and I'm just kind of wondering, like, is that really the foundation for not only making a child happy, but setting us up kind of for the, the rest of our lives as the children to the young adult, to the, you know, going the rest of your life it's like that the family union one of those those critical things that we need to focus more on it is and it isn't mm. <laughs> yeah so it's it can go either way the families that i was talking about i would say the families that are a stronger more uh, congruent unit more, more harmonious unit but you and i both aware that there are no uh, there are families that are not as congruent or harmonious, and children are, oh, children who do not have parents, children who have been left alone and fight for themselves. So I guess my statement might have been somewhat a little bit generic, but since we're going to be going into more details, I'm happy to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. The reality is, whatever happened to us in the past, we should not focus on that. Okay, and, and it's easy, easier said than done. We are most certainly affected by whatever happened to us in the past, especially as a child, because as a child, we're very impressionable. As, as I mentioned earlier, we sponge in so much what we see. And 
as if you see destructive behavior of your parents, well, that's all you see. And if you don't know anything different, well, yes, you are going to turn out most likely the same way. But if you have exposure to something more positive and you compare two, um, you can make a choice to go like my parents or to go, oh, hey, you know what? I don't like this so much. I like this much better. In my particular case, um, just focus on me because I know me the best um, and I know my, my, my son the best, but I'm not going to talk about my son right now, um, is that I have grew up in a family I saw a lot of... Um, so my grandfather was uh, alcoholic. My dad was alcoholic. Um, it was my uncle was alcoholic. My other uncle, was, it was alcoholism right through. In Russia, it was, you can say it was pretty normal, pretty typical. Men were drunk, okay? So, and what I saw in my family unit, it, it was devastating to a child when I had to break up physical fights between my mom and my dad or my grandmother and my my mom and sorry my my granddad and my mom or my grandmother my granddad as a kid it, it is it's mind-blowing but I knew that I did not want to have that as a child I already knew that I did see some families well again I was exposed to some families that I had more harmonious harmonious unit and yeah still men were having a drink here and there, but it was something still harmonious about that, those families. And I quickly realized as a child that that's not what I, what my family had. I did not want to have a relationship like that. And what happened, unfortunately, I got into a relationship like that. And I don't know why. I don't know why. At the time, I did not see the person um, as being uh, a drunk or having an issue with alcohol. But then after marriage, quickly discovered that this is not going to change. No matter what I do, no matter how much I begged or to get help or whatever it is, the person needs to see it for himself. Um, and so I quickly realized it's like, oh, my gosh, I am getting into the same situation where my parents were. And when um, our son started getting affected by our constant fighting and constant arguments, I said, that's it. I'm out. I made a choice. I made a choice. And because I got to the point where I've been trying for a couple of years to help, to recognize that there is a problem, um, to support in any way possible, it wasn't working because the person was not ready to see it. I did not see, I couldn't see my son and myself in that situation for much longer, our son and me for, for a much longer. And I made a choice. Yeah, it was a devastating choice on the family that affected my son and me and my ex-husband, my son's dad, uh, for a very, uh, for some time in a negative way. However, looking back, I know it was the best, the best choice I made for everybody, for all of us. So when we come to situations like if we are affected um, um, as kids and do we carry it throughout the life, yeah, we certainly are affected by how what we've seen as children, what we experience as children, but we don't have to carry it throughout life. There is some trauma for some people, absolutely, but I'm a strong believer that it's it still is a choice. And I'm not going to touch on um, really um, strong mental illnesses because this is not we're not going there, and I'm not I'm not an expert in that. There are people who need uh, 
schizophrenia or bipolar disorders, those are very serious. And I know it's not just the Freud. But for those of us who have strong minds and who um, understand the world as is, simply focusing on yourself, discovering yourself and making choices, what is the best for me? It might sound a little bit selfish, but there's one thing to remember is that if you're not okay, no one else around you will be okay. No one. It will affect every single person. It will affect your family. It will affect, well, you, family, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, and the city. And next thing you know, we have a war on our hands, right? So it's just, that's what it is. So to me, one of the big things that people don't realize that happiness is a choice. Being happy is a choice. And that's a, another different conversation to have. And we can, I can d- discuss it more. But to me, is um, I want to remind people that you don't have to be stuck in the past because you cannot change it. That's the most important thing to remember. You cannot change it. But I listened to your first episode and just popped into my mind uh, that you've done with your brother. And it's, um, it's fascinating to you guys that you and your brother had the conversation that you had just to see how you now recognize what you were growing up in Carlton Place, uh, um, the um, male masculinity and how you're, now we're talking about you loving to listen to uh, musicals, right? That's fantastic. You did not stop there. It's like, no, 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 no. I have to be like that. No, you made a choice. You know what? That makes me very happy. So I'm going to go this way. And your brother chose, although he, I'm sure, gone through hell in Carlton Place, especially at the time when he was growing up and being gay. And he's such a happy soul. It's absolutely amazing to me. But he made a choice. This is me, authentic me. Like it or leave it. That's it. So. Some awesome points there. Lots to touch on. Um, but I'm funny you bring up my brother because even from the point of some of the things we talked about in that episode, um, like how much I've come and changed and, and uh, just, you know, just developed as and evolved um, is really interesting. Cause that, you know, that conversation was almost three years ago, but just how much, you know, and especially talking about some of the things at the end of the episode that have, have now changed and I've learned a whole lot more, but my brother he inspired me because I saw, you know, despite the hate in the world for him being gay and, and some of the things that have happened to him, bullying and, and homophobic slur, all that stuff. But to see how happy he was with his friends and him living his authentic self, just having the time of his life, like that inspired me. I was like, oh, my God, like. I'm so proud of him. And I was like, that's what I like. That's what I want to be. I want to So, you know, what, what does that entail? And like I said, at the beginning, I had to go into myself to figure out, okay, what were those things that are going to, to bring that type of joy and authenticity to my life? When, when you first, we first kind of connected and I've talked about this on my podcast a couple of times too. Um, when we talk about things like mental health, a lot of people will will put up a barrier about some of the things that you're talking about, that being like, well, happiness is not a choice because I am depressed and I can't, I can't experience happiness. Now, 
through my journey of mental health and talking and speaking and doing all these things, learning that, yes, I am depressed and I am on medication for that. And I see counseling and I do all these things. There is a very real thing about mindset and doing things that can help. Is it going to be a cure? Not necessarily, but it will be able to help. Um, things like journaling, things like gratitude, uh, mindfulness, all these different things. And I, I would just love for you to kind of like touch on that because I just, I know from personal experience, that's, that is a, a barrier that people put up immediately when, when people, someone says happiness is a choice or that like, oh, just think more positive. It's like, it's not that simple. It's, again, it's not a cure, but sometimes it is that simple. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> And I will touch on on that and talking about choices. So as you said, you are, uh, you you have a depression and you take medication and you go counseling and you do other things. You go to the gym, you listen to music, you do, you go for walks. That's what makes you happy. You made a choice to do all of that. You could have said, you know what? I'm depressed. I don't care. I don't want to do anything. No, I'm depressed. Nobody can help me. That's one choice. You You took a different way, a different road. You said, you know what? Yeah, I recognize I have it. Okay, what can I do about it to help me? So you went to see a doctor, you got your medication, and you're doing this all these other things. There you go. That's still a choice. That is still a choice. Does it make you happy every day? No. Am I happy every day as a joy aficionado? Absolutely <laughs> not. We are human beings. We have so many different emotions, and it is extremely important to experience that. Because if we don't know, if I don't know what devastation feels like, well, hell, I cannot help anybody to, to, to go through this. If I don't know what upset is, oh, heartbreak or um, uh, death, how to deal with death, that's a very dark subject. But I do talk about this because there is a way you can deal with that, right? So for someone um, to say, oh, yeah, it's easy for you to, to talk. This is you or, you know, you wrote a book and I hear things like that. It's like, well... Yeah, maybe, but not really, because I have gone through some shit in life as well. I don't talk about it just yet because maybe there's another book coming or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, we all have negative and positive experience. What the, the, the important part is, is to choose. Sometimes uh, last week, um, my mom, unfortunately, um, I only have one member, a family member from my Russian family besides my um, I guess cousins and such. My mom lives in Russia all by herself. She is refusing to come to Canada to live with us. Um, she's happy there. And last week she ended up in a hospital. And my, I, I can't drop everything and go. Uh, yeah, I was looking at flights. I'm like, okay, if I go and I have to be um, uh, in quarantine for 14 days and then I come back here, I have to be in quarantine for 14 days. How helpful am I going to be? Thank goodness for my cousins who are able to help me. They text me, it's like, this was going on. So I called my mom. She had to have sent, um, in, she had basically blocked artery and it was unexpected. And it was devastating because I'm so far away. And I keep telling her this, that's why I want her here. But that's another thing. I felt guilty not being there, but it is her choice to be there. She has an option to come here, but that is her choice. And I had to understand that and to let it go. But it, I, I felt the sense of guilt forever. Guilt is awful. Guilt digs into you. Guilt will make you depressed. So I had to recognize it. I say, okay, 
what can you do about this? Can you move back to Russia to help my mom? Well, not quite because my family is here. She's there by herself. It's somewhat easier for her to, to move here. However, she chooses not to. She has her own reasons and I have to respect that. So when we come to choices, again, I, am, I, I will argue with anybody. You can sit and do nothing and it's still a choice. You can take right or left, it's a choice. It is up to you, it is up to us. Um, when we're talking about journaling, for me, when how the book came about and how the business came about, there was time in my life that I knew I was more happy than not. And what I decided to do, um, it, I created a journal. And every day in my journal, before I go to bed, I broke the page in two and I wrote what made me happy, what made me sad or angry, okay, or unhappy, whichever you want to call it. And so at first, there were sometimes more um, angry things or unhappy things than happy things. And I'm like, well, why was I angry about this? Or why was I unhappy about this? How much did it affect me in the day? And how much does it really matter in my life? And by the end of 30 days, I barely had anything in an unhappy column. And happy was just going on and on and on and on and on. And it was little things. There were little things. There were things like, you know what? I was so happy to see my friend today. Oh, I was so happy that I talked to someone and one word made a difference for them and put a smile on their face. They were simple little things. We seem to be focusing and digging a big hole for ourselves when we make choices to focus on negative. And as I said, I will argue the case that choice is our responsibility and our right. As human beings, we can make that happen. There are, I understand there are some devastating situations and, and it's easier said than done. Oh, we just make a choice. For example, um, something that is really close to my heart that I support women um, who have been gone through um, tough relationships and men, as a matter of fact. So it's another business that I have, but we won't talk about that right now. So it's a, it's, it's very scary sometimes because these people, they don't see a way out. They are so scared of the person that is controlling them that if you tell them, oh, it's your choice, they'll say, are you out of your freaking mind? What do you mean by that? So yes, that's very different and it requires a lot more work. But I work with some women that has gone through that, have gone through that, and they understand that now that they needed to be strong at one particular time and find the way to reach out, reach out to someone for help because help is always available. So again, it depending on the person, but if we're talking about just us, normal people, normal is normal. Normal is different for everybody. That's another thing. I should be using that word standard or normal. But if we're talking about just life in general, most of us are blessed to make a choice and it's a choice you can choose wake up in the morning and be pissed off because there's no sun or you can wake up in the morning and say hey you know what that's cool there are really cool clouds in the sky right now or something like that i know very primal but that's what it is so it, this is one of those types of conversations where um, we're speaking yes very much in generalities and of course there's always exceptions to the rule there's always um, you know, the need, feeling the need to qualify things. So 
uh, I'm hoping everyone listening understands it. I totally understand it because yes, there's every situation is different and, and context is very, very important. But when we're just, we're just talking about kind of everyday situations that most people go through, not on the extreme ends of, of, you know, the bad things that can happen. So I just, mentioning that uh that we're both very aware Mm -hmm. how so you mentioned you know you're happy teaching people happiness and and everything's great but every day you know you're human you can't always be happy so when you're when you're not when you're unhappy when you're angry when you're frustrated or stressed what are you know one two three things that like are a necessity for you to to like just reframe and and change things you know so like it's 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 again it's easy to say you know you just got to be self-aware and it's like yes of course but like is are there things that you do that like you stop and you're like okay i'm feeling stressed i know i should go do this right now like what are those like maybe one two three basic things that like when you're struggling or when you're having a tough time that you will rely on to put you back on that right track so Number one, definitely recognition. You ta- you know that and you say that. A lot of people are not aware. They just go, I'm angry and it's just get out of my way. Okay. Or I don't know what's wrong with me. Get out of my way. And that's what usually happens with me. When I am very positive and I smile and my family immediately knows something is off. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not sure. No, what's wrong? I don't know. And this is the thing with me. So I, first of all, communicate, if you have a family, communicate or communicate with your friends or whoever, just so people are aware. They don't think, oh, she's such a bitch. I don't want to talk to her ever again. I've met her. She is not a joy aficionado whatsoever. So no, no, (laughs) we all have bad days. I'm human. So my, the, the first thing is that, okay, something is off. My balance is off. Okay. Focus sort of, okay, what's going on? Like what has maybe transpired around yesterday or something happened today or what's triggering this imbalance, okay? And what am I feeling? Am I feeling anger? Am I feeling upset, um, uh, emotionally upset? Am I feeling frustration? Am I feeling devastation? What is that feeling? Because a lot of times we say, oh, I'm just upset. Well, what exactly? What what is it? You angry, frustrated, devastated. What is it? Jealous. That's another negative. Um, so understanding that, naming it, feeling it. It's like, yeah, I feel so goddamn angry. That stupid person in the store the other day. Dude, I can't believe they did something like that. It's like, okay. Then you breathe. For me, like I breathe and I say, okay, how much is it affecting? Is it really important in my world? Why is it affecting me so much? Understanding that. And then just being with it and letting it go. I know it's, (laughs) I have it as a routine almost, right? And I know it's not easy thing for a general population to do. But my first suggestion is to stop, acknowledge it, and name it. What am I feeling? And then we can go from there. I think that's important. And it's something that I've learned, especially in the workplace. When I know that I am, the stress is elevating or I'm getting angry or I'm frustrated by an email or a request or a phone call, whatever it is, 
I have to stop myself and be like, okay, I'm angry. And then I go put some music in and I take a walk, breathe. Uh, just, just, I always just say, walk it off and just kind of like, think about yeah. it, go through it in my mind. But I think it's so important. And especially for men um, to, to learn this self-regulation process. Um, you know, like it, anger and frustration and lashing out, that is not gender specific, but you see it a lot with men, especially because we have a lot tougher time acknowledging the things that we're feeling and <laughs> yeah. the, the emotions, right? Um, that's, again, not to say it doesn't happen with every gender mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. non-binary people, but, you know, just as men, especially when we're, we're sad or we're ang- angry, we don't necessarily acknowledge that. We suppress that. We push that back. Um, do you have a lot of men who come to you for help or like, are, are we seeing a change in, you know, mental health and men's mental health is definitely being talked about a lot more. The yeah. stigma is slowly going away, but slowly being the key word there. Yes. Are you seeing more men reaching out for the, these types of things? Yes, absolutely. And uh <laughs> Good time to sort of, as I mentioned, another business. So um, another business that I have is called The Unexpectedly Single. And it's actually um, geared toward men who find themselves in a alone. In, they were in a relationship or a marriage and did not see this coming. Okay. And, and they're just left lost and devastated and trying to figure out what the hell just happened. So I do find that, and it's amazing because I have some clients around the world who are opening more. And what what I've heard, the the first, when I started the business, I was absolutely amazed that how many men were mentioning that, oh my God, I did not know such service exists. What a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being there. So there are more men that are understanding that recognizing their emotions and dealing with their emotions is a positive change. It will make a positive change in their life for their relationships with their children, whatever it is. So it is, um, it's, it's, um, um, no, I wouldn't, I I don't want to call it trend, but it's really starting to open up and pick up. And I'm so happy to see that my father, son um, have, passed away to my ex-husband at a very young age as well. And it was unfortunately, this is one of the losses in the family uh, at a very young age of 41. And it was devastating for, for his family. It was devastating for us. It was devastating for my son, our son. Um, and I know that he was suffering mentally and I tried to help before our divorce and after divorce, but, but he was so shut down and he did not, there was no way of showing it. And it's, when he passed on, we were all um, devastated and by his passing, but also feeling guilty. What could have we done? But it is so sad to see when men are still struggling and coming out and asking for help. Because no, no, we're strong, you know, we like in Russia, men don't cry, right? <laughs> But truly, men are more sensitive in Russia, I think, sometimes than, than men here. So um, just to see some emotions. But but I'm so happy to see that. And there is definitely more younger generation understands it better. Uh, I'm so I'm so blessed because I have my partner is absolutely phenomenal. We can talk about anything. My son is the same way because I made it a point 
from the young age of my son, I always told him, no matter what, you come and talk to me. I am always here for you. You talk to me no matter what it is. We can discuss anything, nothing off the table. So, and he carried that. I'm so, I'm so blessed because he carried that into his 20s now. And um, we have some, some of the best conversations. You know, we're discussing now, we're sometimes discussing um, his dad. And I, I never say a bad word about him. He was a phenomenal man who was just very lost. And my son understands it now. He sees that, right? So, so it is, again, upon, I think it's upon parents. And I'm so happy that parents are now, man, especially, seen and not seen, but participating in the, the fact of opening up and sharing their emotions and share their feelings and hopefully encouraging their children, especially males, to do that. So. Mm. Talk about that book, because for those listening, you can't see it, but there's this little icon right behind your face there that says uh, bestseller. Um, so you recently just released it, uh, yep. I think a couple of weeks ago, and we're already seeing some positive momentum. So what's this experience about the book been like for you and, and the reception and what people are saying? How's it, how's it all been? Uh, it's it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's been coming a long time. Um, as a matter of fact, the book was finished back in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I was all ready to go, or so I thought I was ready to go and publish it in 2018. But I realized and looking at it back now, I so was not right here. I was not ready mm-hmm. for it to be out there. Um, there were still a few things that I needed to work out. Another important part to understand. That made me unhappy at the time when I wanted to release it, that it hasn't released, but I was not ready. And I'm so happy I've done it now. There's been a lot of uh, positive um, positive feedback, um, a lot of excited people. They can't wait. Um, right now, it's only in eKindle, but I just got confirmation prior to our uh, recording from my publisher that uh, the physical copy will be available on June 1st. So I'm excited about that. Yay! Oh, we will do, we'll have a promotion around that. Um, I will be, um, I'll keep it a secret right now, but there'll be something very exciting coming around that time. So it's been great. Um, there are lots of great reviews that come into Amazon. There's not that many reviews on Amazon just yet, but uh, people who have read it, um, they, they love it. They love it. It's written in a simple way and it's not a very big book. So you can probably finish it in a day. The important part about it, it's like a textbook. So you need to finish chapter and go work. There is a workbook as well. Go do the exercise. That is the important part. If you really truly want to experience what you should from this book, what the intent was, that is the way to go. Now, it is somewhat a general, but it's a, it's a starter for now. Again, there's more to come, but um, it's a starter just to give a general idea for people, once again, that happiness is a choice. And in order for you to figure out what makes you happy, it's a self-discovery process. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's fascinating. Uh, becoming an overseller overnight, a bestseller overnight, where it's like, what? And it happened on April 1st. It was really funny because I thought it was somebody was mucking around with me, joking, April spoof. So, um, yeah, it was it was an, an amazing experience that I'll remember for the rest of my life. So. Mm, amazing. The pandemic. This has been, the, I mean, the, probably one of the most challenging times uh, for everybody uh, in a lot of different 
circumstances. You know, we, we're all going through different things. We're experiencing this in different ways. Healthcare workers are struggling, essential workers, people like me who work from home feel isolated. So I'm not trying to compare everybody's struggles, but we're all mm-hmm. struggling in some way. Mm-hmm. Does it, you know, in your line of work, does something like this worry you for, you know, of course it's worrying right now, but the long-term effects of, of something like this, does it make you worried? Because especially when we're worried about a virus and we're worried about our, our, the health of family and friends and things that are very much out of our control, it definitely makes that self-awareness part a lot more difficult. So with the pandemic being the way it is, you know, does it make you a little bit more worried for people trying to find that level of self-awareness to become happy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, for a lot of people, um, being social is important. Like you mentioned, you, you're stuck by yourself. By yourself. I'm very fortunate because my son lives with me. Um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, I'm also... <laughs> I wear so many hats. I'm also a realtor, so I'm still in this, considered to be an essential worker. So from time to time, I talk to a lot of people, okay? It, it worries me, and the first thing I've done, um, interestingly enough, when all of this has happened is that I've reached out to, first of all, all of my real estate clients, all of my coaching clients. I've reached out to everyone to see how they were doing. And then I made it a, um, a habit to reaching out to people once a month. Okay. Just making sure everybody was okay. Of course, all my friends, my family, my family is across, across the pond. I have lots of friends that are um, around the world. So now making a point of touching base with them on a monthly basis. So um, really helped a lot of people. Thank me for that. And what I was trying to do, I was always trying to start a conversation and see where they're at. And where they're going, especially with my clients, my coaching clients um, uh, that required a lot of help because for some, I know myself, routine is extremely important. And when my routine is thrown off, I'm off balance. I'm, and you talked about it exactly. You talked about it yourself, right? And so to me, it was like, okay, well, no, I'm a strong person. I, I work from home already, so it did not affect me that much. And I'm still allowed to work because I'm realtors were considered essential work and I have business from home like I work from home but not being able to travel for example not being able to go to the gym threw off my sleeping because I get up very early I have a routine I go to the gym first thing in the morning and so I had to adjust as well and it was affecting me and understanding that how much it was affecting me understanding that I am a very strong person and I understanding that I have control of my mind and I make choices what what type of a day I'm going to have today I was scared for a lot of people I was I really was scared and I made it a point to reach out and have a conversation and understand what it is and if there's something that I can do if I need to text you every single day I will do that if I have to text you you know three times a day I will do that just to make sure that you're okay or if you want to you're alone you're stuck having a conversation so for some people, what I found, um, it was very helpful. Um, there were a lot of great people, grateful people, sorry. But what I also found is that we found a way to separate themselves 
not separate, probably separate, not the, the right word, but found a way how to deal with the situation. And this is the most important. Going through something like this, I'm not sure if this in our lifetime, this will happen again. It's a great experience for every one of us to learn how to be more human and how to help people and how to be more connected, thus bringing hopefully more happiness to people. What I was trying to help people to focus on with people that have family and have kids, I know they're like, holy crap, I need alone time. Okay. I said, hey, you know what? Put the movie on or give them half an hour to go and watch something, although it's a school day right now or school hour. It's like, oh my God, the school work. Right? So, so many people, thank God I'm not in that position. But we found ways around it. Like with people that are communicated, we found the ways around it because when we're out on our own, we are stuck in our own mind. I've been there so many times. Trust me, I, I've been, and even some days still. Boom, 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 boom. You're stuck and you can't resolve this issue. You've been going round and round. Oh, I've tried everything. But I know now that if I'm having such a day, I have plenty of people that I can reach out to say, hey, can you spare 10 minutes? I'm stuck. Need help. Need to talk to you. And that's what I was trying to um, teach everyone that I talk to. Don't be afraid. Don't think that, you, oh, yeah, I'm going to disturb their whatever uh, dinner or I'm going to disturb their date at home <laughs> or I'm going to disturb something else. No, 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 no. It's very important. The person reaching out to you, they telling you, please, 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 I'd love to help you reach out whenever you need help. So I found that in, like, in my circle and my uh, line of work that a lot more people realized that they need that communication, they opened up a little bit more. Some introverts become a little bit more extroverted, which was so wonderful to see. Um, there is a community group that grew together and supporting each other. So what I absolutely loved about what has happened through this negative experience is people came together. And there are so many amazing people that came together. So society is not dead. Sense of community is not dead. And I think that makes me happy because I have hope because I hope when we're going back to whatever the new normal will be that that sense of community sense of belonging sense of support is still there um, community peer support family um, all those things are just I know they've helped me immensely um, and they're they're so important and I, I have that and that sense of hope too that we've we've established that, you know, there is a need for community and there, there is a need for some selfishness and taking care of ourselves and, and all those things, but there is a great need for community. And that's a very important aspect of being human. I truly believe. And um, I think we've definitely seen it through here. So before I let you go, I want to jump back to the first thing I said off this podcast um, after talking about happiness and how to achieve it and things we can do, you know, is, and it's a, just a thing I love to explore. Is life more simple or is it more complicated than, than we think it is? Um, you know, on your experience, what, do you, what are your thoughts? It's more simple. All the thing, we create all the mess in our lives. We really do. Because we are so developed, we're mammals, but we, I, our brain is so highly developed, we create all the mess. That's what I believe. 
it might be true for some, it might be not true for someone or whatever people believe in, but do not make your life complicated. Start with basics because this is where it all builds up from. And remember the basics. This pandemic showed us very simply what is important in our lives or where we should focus. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's I, I I agree. It's uh, it's so funny how things work. Um, and but you're right. Most of the things that trouble me is my own creation, and uh, it's working through that. So, um, thank you so much for this. A very fascinating conversation. A lot to take away from. Your book is out. You said it's on Amazon. It's getting published. Where can people find that book? Where can people connect with you? Website, social media. Uh, so uh, right now it's a Kindle version only on Amazon. The physical copy coming uh, coming out on June first. Um, people can connect with me on Facebook page Happiness by You, just like the, the name of the book. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram. It's under my name. It's at Olga Doer, and um, my website is Happiness by You. So if someone wants to have a conversation with me. I right now actually uh, have a uh, something that I give well, it's a 30 minute complimentary call with me. Just, if someone just wants to talk and have a little bit of more understanding or some guidance, I'm happy to chat with people and uh, yeah, go in from there. So, but uh, happiness by you is a great community on, fa- on Facebook is um, there's lots of inspirational quotes. Uh, there's lots of videos that can help you from day to day. So check it out. I'll be happy to connect with anyone who is interested to reach out, message, um, and we'll go from there. Wonderful. Olga, thank you so much. This was amazing. Yeah, Ryan, I am so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to possibly doing something more in the future. Absolutely. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.